Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. True words have never been spoken like that, I don't That's believe. For sure. Welcome to another edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker DeFrance is here. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. And our guest today is uh, Mr. Tom Hurt. And we have a guest in the studio. And we also have a live studio audience. We have a live studio audience. Gene Freeze, author Gene Freeze, is with us. Hey, Gene. Yeah. He's just yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he's, yeah. he's here to hassle uh, he's here to hassle to France. All right. Uh Tom Hurt, hat maker to the movies. Uh, that's a great, great title. How'd you get that one, Tom? And first, welcome well, to the program. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh I gotta say, first off, this concept that you have here of Voices of the West. The, uh, several months back when Todd called me and told me he'd like to have me on the program uh, got visions of the title just Voices of the West it's like gee this sounds like an early 1930 or 40s western movie or something <laughs> <laughs> and it just is so captivating I, and uh, so I almost feel like uh, uh, I'm uh, step back in time. <laughs> We're stuck. Which back I don't. In time. Which really is not a. It's not difficult for me because I kind of live back in time. You know, I, I, uh, I I'm retired from the Florida Park Service, and uh, my job entailed uh, doing reenacting and living history. And I'd wake up and try and figure out what century am I supposed to be in today, so I had the right uh, duds on. You know, so yeah, I uh, understand yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> I feel like a round peg trying to fit in a square hole. Mm-hmm. That's great. <clears throat> I've seen pictures but of you. Yeah, as far as, what, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I saw pictures, I've seen pictures and watched your videos of you and your place, and I think, I think you, you fit in with us because you know, you're living back where it's like what it is, what, <clears throat> excuse me, what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, my my, <coughs> here, I uh, uh, took an old ranch house and uh, started to recreate it, and I got some pictures of an early 1890s ranch mm. in New Mexico, and I just started to copy that, and nice. uh, that's kind of what that's kind of what I got. It looks like an early 18. 18- 90 or early 1900 uh, New cool. Mexico ranch. That uh, is cool. Yeah. That's the way New Mexico still looks today for the most part. You yeah. know, prosperity and uh, modernity has kind of passed New Mexico by, which I think is a blessing. Well. <laughs> yeah. All right. But Tom, you asked me about. Yeah. You're, uh, how, how'd you get involved in uh, starting to do hats? You make them one at a time, which is the way to make them, I think. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, I make them one at a time to order. I don't have a, I don't have a big store or showroom. I every hat time goes out, to, and that's and that, that's what I have. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, how did I get into this? Yeah. Um, gosh, year, years ago, I I was uh, doing things like uh, doubling Mark Harmon and Richard Farnsworth. And Jason Robards did worked in that movie Comes a Horseman, and thought that was my career. Uh, <laughs> I was able to ride horses and uh, looked and acted like a cowboy, and uh, yeah, found my my uh, way in life. And uh, then there was an actor strike, and I had to go into back into reality. Mm. And I so much for being the next Tom Mix, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, um, or Gary Cooper. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, I um, uh, went into this old hat shop in Colorado Springs called the Weather Hat Shop. And he had been there since 1912, and the owner and I started to talk, and before I knew it, I was uh, working for him, and pretty soon after that, I owned the business. And wow. that was... Um, that was uh, 40 years ago, and I wow. tell everybody, you know, I was went in there and I was 12 at the time. So uh, I believe you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, at least I thought like a 12-year-old. <laughs> um, we still do. Yeah, exactly. We haven't grown up yeah. yet. 
<laughs> no, that's, that's a good way to be. <laughs> and uh, so because I had worked in some pictures, uh, I knew some people to talk to, and I decided that I better tell them about what I'm doing and uh, get them to start ordering hats for their pictures from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just kind of took off, too. And uh, so that's kind of how I uh, I kind of got doing hats for the movies it just kind of snowballed after that you know you one person hear about you and the next person did and the next person and uh you know uh, <clears throat> i got in, i got started in i remember seeing do you know our riders in the sky oh yeah and, oh yeah great hats ranger, ranger doug yep and, uh, uh so i met up with them and uh, started to do their hat. Oh, nice. For, well, for, I mean, Doug's still, I mean, I get a Christmas card and <laughs> talk to Doug quite a bit. He's, nice. He's a great, great guy. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, along with Charlie Daniels and, uh, you know, uh, oh, quite a few other you know, uh, singers. But, um, uh, you know, just, just uh, um, kept plodding along, taking every opportunity I could. And, uh, uh, doing the best I could on it. Take a, take us through the process of how a hat is made. Kill the beaver. Well, that's, Kill the beaver. That's step they, one. <laughs> and well, you know, it's just the hair. People misunderstand that. They think, oh, I do. I use a beaver hide. There is no hide in this whatsoever. It's only the hair. Fiber. So uh, uh, some people out there have a problem with uh, killing the animal. The animal does not have to be killed to take the hair. What they do with the animal, I don't know, but all I use is the hair. Interesting. Beaver, and I use prim- primarily beaver hair, and they have two coats of hair on a beaver. It's got a guard hair and then a downy under hair. Mm-hmm. Only the, the downy, the soft under hairs are used. Ah. And okay. uh, they are uh, taken from the animal and each barb, if you looked at it under a microscope, they have little tiny hooks. And one uh, hair touches the next hair. They lock together. Mm-hmm. Like Velcro. And that's, that makes, yes, like Velcro. And that makes it possible to do a felting, which they do. They hot steam and water and kneading the, 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 the hair together will mat it and make it into a, a mat of hair. Or, or you can make it into a cone of hair, which is what they do for building a hat. <clears throat> and uh, and the hat maker will get the cone or the uh, body, as it is sometimes called. And uh, and then from there, we take that raw body and get the appropriate hat block that we're going to make the hat on and uh, uh, steam it and work it over the hat block. And then... Um, you take it, you finish it. I finish, all my hats are finished by hand. I do not have any finishing machines in the shop or anything. It's just uh, by hand, uh, pouncing paper, mm. and, uh, and and it's kind of, kind of, kind of look like a, you were sanding <laughs> the wood where you, you lift the long hairs off and you only leave the finer, finer yeah. hairs below and get it nice, soft, smooth finish. And you do the same process with uh, steam and ironing on the brim. Now, the brim and the crown of the hat are all one piece of material. It's not uh-huh. two pieces of material. It's one piece of material. And it's uh, ironed and sanded. And uh, uh, the more it's ironed and sanded, or, or I should say just ironed, and steam, the tighter those fibers lock together, and that's what causes the hat to get really firm hmm. and and become durable. Uh, and uh, is that a, a shrinking process? It's a it, it it's a shrinking process. The the body will get smaller as you yeah. work with it. Uh, so you need to get a pretty good sized body for a Western hat. Uh, unlike a little fedora hat, mm-hmm. um, you need a pretty good size hat body. Um, then if you take that and uh, uh, I take it and I I will um, uh, hand sew a sweatband in it, 
mm-hmm. and then I'll I'll hand sew and make a trim band for the outside of the hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I use an old, old, old. Um, it's called a featherweight Singer sewing machine. It's mine is probably seventy five years old. Wow, and uh, <laughs> or more. And that's the only thing I use uh, when I put a binding on the hat to sew the ribbon on the edge of the brim. I use that, and I don't have a tool that a binding tool or anything like that. Everything is fitted and hand-eye coordination, uh, and um, so that's how. That's the only really mechanical thing I use wow. in the building of hat. Everything else is done by my hand. Is that hand power or fit. treadle? That's power. It's uh, <laughs> electrified. So you're uh, you're doing them basically the same way Mr. Stetson did them. Uh, when he came up with that famous plainsman, yeah, they uh, they I read an article about um, hat makers in the eighteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, and um, the hat maker with an apprentice it could usually do um, maybe uh, ten hats or so a week. Wow, yeah. and and I. And that's about the that's uh, my the production level that I have is a is uh, at full capacity is about that. That's about all I can do a week, and I have to work long and hard to do ten hats a week. So, it, to do one hat, for example, what would the time process time be for something of that nature? Just one hat. Just four your, days. Okay, so just your basic hat, and that's, that's without interruptions. That's, yeah, without interruptions. That's the shaping, well, the steaming. That's the whole the whole thing. But you mm-hmm. see, when you put when you build the hat, you you put it on its block, mm-hmm. just like if you were making a boot, boot you put it on a last. Right. And because I don't have a whole bunch of uh, heavy duty equipment, I have to put it on the block, and it has to sit there for at least a day. Mm-hmm. And it has to take shape and dry and cool, and and then the next day I'll come back and I'll re-steam and rework it, and and because it has uh, felt will have a memory, and unless you take mm-hmm. that memory out of the felt mm-hmm. and create a new memory for that felt, the hat you you only you, you, a lot of people out there have probably bought hats, and uh, they don't take a shape real well or they they don't hold their shape well, right? Uh, and it's because when it was flanged, it wasn't. It wasn't flanged or it wasn't uh, uh, blocked, uh, allowing that uh, hat body to take the shape of the block you wanted to take the shape of. Mm-hmm. And and for every style hat there is, there's a block that matches wow. it. So so uh, or if, so if you got a crease like uh, if you look at the hat that uh, the um, Called the Montana Peak, or the Smokey the Bear, the mm-hmm. Forest Ranger type hat, the Four Corner mm-hmm. hat. You take that. That is built on a crown style that is designed for that shape of that hat. And if you do an old, old, old Tom Mix style hat, and if you recall, Tom Mix wore a tall crowned hat, mm-hmm. and he had two pinches on the side. Right. Unlike a lot of people think that he didn't have a hat that was shaped like Hopalong Cassidy. Only had two pinches right. on the side, right? And um, uh, so there's a, a certain crown block to get that to look like hmm. the original. You have to use the correct crown block, um, mm-hmm. and it's a if you want a modern day cattleman style creased hat, there's a crown block made for that particular style hat. Uh, so you've got to have. A whole bunch of different style hat blocks, so that you can create all create all these different style of hats. Hmm. Wow! I got a story for you, Tom. This is when I was working in the pictures. You know, you we'd get a lot of times you get out there on the road, and you're doing nondescript people, or you're going to do a saddle fall, but you got to get the wardrobe. So you go over to the wardrobe guy, and all the hats that they were using for there was not not the principals, but for everybody else. It'd generally be about 50 or 100 hats crammed into a cardboard box. And I mean crammed. So, you know, there they hand you a hat, and it looks like uh, 
grandma was using it to put the cat out when it got <laughs> caught fire. <clears throat> but I would take it out there and I'd get a cup of coffee. I'd knock the crown out and I'd pour that cup of coffee in there, let it soak <laughs> through, and then I would recreate it. And wardrobe would come by and he says, you guys, you can't wear your own hat. And I said, that's not my hat, it's your hat. He <laughs> said, well, my hats don't look that good. <laughs> well, that's, I, have got, I have literally got um, uh, boxes full of hats here that I have used in, in pictures. That, you know, a, a movie, uh, I'll bring them along and the wardrobe won't have enough yeah. hats or won't have the right kind of hats and so I've got my collection of hats and I'll tell you a couple pictures that I've I've, I've used those on I made more money renting hats <laughs> to the movie company than I did making a hat yeah I've, I've had wardrobe guys wow. say can I can I use your hat for the actor you know, I said, there you well, go yeah and I said well go. yeah okay you know because I'm trying to get along with you know, I said make sure I get it back yeah, well, there, that's the hard part sometimes. Uh, yeah. Get, getting your stuff back. You have to take inventory of what you're giving and hope you get it back. And uh, and lots of times you don't get it back in the same condition that you, no. <laughs> you, you gave it to them in because, you know. But that's why I've got them because you, you don't, they don't want you to make a hat for every character because the principals are the ones who are supposed to look good, right. and everybody else is just background, and yeah. uh, and uh, they just fade into the woodwork, so to yeah. speak. All right, we're yeah. going to do our first commercial break here. Already? Oh. Already, yes. Wow. Time is flying by. Our wow. guest is uh, Tom Hurt. He's uh, a hat maker extraordinaire. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We'll be back with much more on Amal Frenzy's Voices of the West right after these messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Out here, due process is a bullet. This is the Voices of the West. on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Our guest and is... And Gene Freeze is in studio quietly. with us. Yes. He's a, a, 
soaking up like a sponge everything that's going on here. Our guest is a uh, hat maker to the, to the stars and the movies, uh, Tom Hurt. And uh, we're happy to have him here. You've, got, uh, you've done a lot of uh, movies uh, and hats for movies and such. But the one that really, I think, stands out here is this Doc Holliday collection. Talk about how that came to be. Oh, yeah, Val Kimmer. Well, as you know, I did that, the hats for the movie Tombstone. Right. And um, uh, while we were shooting the movie, you know, I naturally talked to Val Kilmer. And uh, uh, shortly after the movie was released, uh, he contacted me and said, you know, I've gotten a lot of... uh, uh, comments about that hat matter of fact he had me build him one right at that time and he sent me a little note telling me that uh, he gave the hat to Bob Dylan and uh, so uh, we talked about it so he says let's make a hat and which is where that came from so (laughs) I made him hats and he uh, put them on his website and sold them and uh, then that lasted a year or two and then when it came time for the 20th and 25th anniversary of the movie Tombstone <laughs> can you believe 25 years ago or more <laughs> that was made um, it goes wow. by wow. yesterday yeah um, and so because of that he contacted me once again and says let's redo this and go at it again which uh, uh, we're doing and we're doing it right now and uh, it's turned out to be really really great really successful and uh, uh, I've enjoyed doing it and keeping that uh, uh, tombstone image alive mm-hmm. you know but the I story behind how you come up with that crease is interesting why don't you share that with oh us? the crease for his hat yes for Val Kilmer's hat yeah that was a that was a accident wasn't it I was sitting with uh, 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 Kevin Jar in uh, the wardrobe uh, before the picture tombstone was uh, uh, made we were getting they were getting all the different characters wardrobes and that kind of thing and, and I had done hats the hats for um, uh, Buck Taylor and Sam Elliott and the Earps and, and uh, Johnny Ringo and you know but the only hat that had not been done was Val Kilmer's and we're sitting there and trying to come up with something that was uniquely his own and um, you know there was a hat sitting there and we just started to play with it on some creases and do this and do that and using the fact that it was supposed to be like a uh, southern gentleman's hat because he was from Georgia I believe yep uh, and using that concept uh, along with uh, the character, uh, we kind of came up with the crease that he would put in the hat and the, uh, you know, that tilt to the crown, which was a little bit different than it was uh, than the other hats. Uh, and that's that's kind of how it came back, just sitting there, just fooling around with a hat and uh, talking about uh, Val Kilmer's character and. Uh, <laughs> It's become the the signature hat of that movie, hmm. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to. Oh no, I, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying to think. This one guy's name. Uh, he wore a black hat with the kind of a white uh, silk band around the around the outside of the uh, the brim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't I can't remember his name. I know it. I know it. I know it. But I, that hat really impressed me. That was like a great-looking hat. That was another character? Yeah. It I'm looking at my notes. You're trying to find it here. But, uh, I don't think I did a, a black hat with a white trim. Okay, let me see if I can find his name here. Uh, you know, I guess you can, oh, well, while we're doing it, I, I want to mention that I was, I was looking stuff up on you. I was looking at hat making in particular. And I was what really impressed me was... You know what you the way you do it, what you do compared to these other guys. They've got it's like a little factory there, mm, yeah. And yeah. they're working, but they're working with some of the equipment they're working for is you know almost a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very complicated. 
you know. Right, right. Well, I, I, uh, uh, I was taught how to do hats the way I do it by hand, uh, where there was no machinery there at all. I mean, I've got a few tools, but uh, no, no big tools or no machinery to 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 do these things on. And uh, for a long time, I battled with my head about buying some more modern equipment. And then I said, wait a second, this handmade stuff is rare and uh, it uh, makes me unique. Um, yes, there's a lot of custom hatters out there and a lot of guys and they build beautiful hats. I'm, the quality is not the thing. The uniqueness is handmade. That's where I feel my uh, individuality comes in this in this business. So no two hats are alike. Then is, is that would that be correct? There is no two hats that are exactly alike. I mean, that is I cool. I do these hats for Val Kilmer, and they're pretty close. But no, there are no two of them are exactly alike. That they're is everything cool. Hand baked and hand finished, and uh, and uh, so. He's got his own unique sort of personality. Too. I found the guy's name, Michael Roker. Oh, Michael Roker. Michael Roker, that's right. It was a light Sherman silver Sherman McMasters. Gray. Yeah, it was a light silver gray. It wasn't white. It was a light black hat. Yes. Um, and uh, That was a great uh, hat. That was a great hat. And, uh, yeah, he called me, and he designed that hat himself. That was his design he wanted on that hat. Uh, the, the trim color and uh, the crown height and the way the brim was shaped he he created that himself uh, and uh, which was kind of cool yeah that must be really a, a great feeling to have somebody wearing one of your hats I mean it, it's they're obviously pieces of uh, art well you know you know you wear, wearable art <laughs> there's another factor too you know when you think about it uh, your hat that you made, or the hat, say I'm wearing, that that's an individual statement. Yeah, yeah. And you, I've had I've had people come up and say, "Where'd you get that hat?" So, your hat is one of your best uh, advertising sure. tools. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Then that's that's that's. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I've had people say, "Oh, I can tell one of your hats." If I, you know, you're watching television or something, something comes on, uh, you know, that, that uh, Sam Elliott did that commercial for, uh, what was that, uh, Doritos or mm-hmm, something during mm-hmm. Super Bowl game. And I watched that, and, I, and that was his Conniger hat mm. from the movie Conniger. And, I, and he, the whole costume actually was his Conniger costume. And he did that in commercial. And yeah, that's been a long, long, long. That was 1970. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, nineteen eighty nine. I forget what years. Years before nineteen eighty nine. You know, I'm seeing a trend here though, because I notice, you know, it's like Sam, uh, Roker, uh, Buck Taylor, uh, Val Kimmer. The their input into what they wanted. They knew what they wanted, and they knew how they wanted to look. And you know. Sometimes telling somebody what you want doesn't transfer, and you seem to be able to transfer what, exactly what they want. The uh, uh, once again, Kevin Jar, you know who he was. He was yeah. the uh, script, and he was the original director. He wasn't the director to finish the movie. Yeah, but um, we sat with some old Frederick Remington and uh, Charlie Russell books. And looked at those old pictures mm-hmm. of those hats uh, on some of those uh, cowboys that they painted back, you know, in the 1870s, 80s, whatever. Right. Uh, and so we tried to use that as our uh, template to go by that that kind of theme, that kind of kind of look. And uh, after the movie was all over, uh, uh, they some critic in California. He 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 uh, he did a was on television talking about Tombstone and he says um, well it maybe wasn't one of the greatest westerns but it was probably the first western I'd ever he'd ever seen where each character 
look their part. The cowboys look like cowboys. Mm-hmm. The in-town people look like the in-town people. Uh, no, he said a Victorian man looked like a Victorian man, and a Victorian yeah. woman looked the same way. Instead of the storekeeper looking like a cowboy and the bartender looking like a cowboy, and that's the way it's always been. You know, always put a cowboy hat on everybody, and that wasn't the the reality of life back then. Everybody had their position in the world, mm-hmm. just like today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Todd, Todd, you've been quiet. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm just enjoying watching, ter- uh, listening to Tom just let it flow, um, which is, he's he's got a great way about him, and and I think that, you know, I've spent so much time with him that I'm, I, I'm enjoying having the two of you also delve into it with him, but, you know, Tom, we have a rule on the show that we, we, we ask all guests... <laughs> To tell us the funniest story they can remember. Ah, yes. Uh, when was the last time we um, did that? Last week. Well, we oh, yeah, okay. last week. Okay. Um, I don't remember. But uh, we don't always get at something as funny as we hope, but I have to believe you've got a funny story in there. It doesn't have to be negative about anybody. We prefer it not to be, but I just do. throw something out to us or a couple couple nuggets, as it were. Or a half well, hour. Uh, if we... If I was to um, funny stories, uh, <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to do funny stories because uh, I would have taken up the whole hour. <laughs> However, um, years ago, when I was um, in high school, uh, my speech teacher, she um told me I wasn't going to do any more speeches because I'd get too nervous and she made me uh, start uh, doing uh, acting in classes and so anyways uh, the years went on after high school and now I'm and uh, I'm working in the movie Tombstone and here comes Charlton Heston and I said, Mr. Heston, how nice it is to see you. I said, this is almost like seeing God. He says, no, that's Moses. <laughs> so oh, I said, great. well, you know, I met you years ago when I was in high school. My speech teacher arranged that I should go and perform in Summerstock. Uh, and... Um, you were the actor that was working in Summerstock, and so I got to meet you. And he said, well, gee, thank you so much. It's going to be nice working with you. And we chatted a few minutes, and then he went up and he did his scene that he was going to do when he met the Earp, uh, uh, Earps and uh, Doc Holliday on the Henry Hillside horseback. And um, so that scene was shot, and they're walking back to... Uh, where the cameras were and I was happened to be sitting in Charlton Heston's chair and the assistant director comes walking up to me and he says Tom you got to get out of that chair that's Mr. Heston's chair and Charlton Heston looked at him and says heck no Tom and I are friends from a long time back he says you stay in that chair I'm going to sit I'm going to sit in Kurt Russell's chair. It'll drive him crazy. (laughs) That's uh, great. Chairs are important. (laughs) That is great. Behind the scenes things. But uh, uh, I have a story about Ronald Reagan here. I was going to ask for that. Yes. 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 Ronald Reagan was one of my favorite people. And years ago, I was um, roping. Uh, and while I was roping, uh, uh, I met this fella roping with us, and it was Malcolm Baldrige, and he was Secretary of Commerce for Ronald Reagan. Right. And we got to talking, and he ordered a hat for himself and a hat for Ronald Reagan. And I got a, and he, I did the hats, and he gave them. Gave one to Ronald Reagan. I got a nice letter back from Ronald Reagan, and I was really thrilled by that. About two years later, uh, I get a call from, uh, and I pick up the phone, and a lady's on the phone, and she says, Mr. Hurt, and I said, yes. She says, this is the White House uh, uh, President's secretary, 
and the president would like to speak to you. Oh, yeah, I said to myself, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Like, and uh, sure enough, man gets on the phone, and boy, sure sounds like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so he says, uh, say, I want to thank you for that hat you did for me a while back. And uh, I'll, I'll do the Reader's Digest version, version here of this. Um, but I need another two hats, and I was wondering if you'd mind doing those for me. And I said, oh, yes, sir, I'd be glad to. And he says, so um, uh, 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 would you send them to the ranch in Santa Barbara? And I said, yes, sir. And uh, he says, now, I don't want you to uh, give this hat to me. And I don't want you to discount this hat to me. I want you to charge me whatever you charge anybody else. And I says, uh, yes, sir. And that's exactly uh, what I did. So while we're talking, he says, well, now, I just ordered a hat. A, uh, you're going to make me a hat. Well, what can I do for you? And um, Wear my hat. <laughs> I said to him, well, you make my pay right now. I don't, I, I don't need anything. He said, no, well, how can I help you out? And I said to him, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you're going to Germany, I understand, and you've got a meeting. <laughs> and he says, yes. I said, well, when you get there... To see Gorbachev, I said, "Would you tell him to tear down that wall?" <laughs> I knew, I knew he didn't come up with that. That is so or, good. Or, hey, we got, we got to do two cowboys. I know. We got to, we got to, we got to. Most of that, almost all that story is the truth. But no. you can figure out what part. I can't. I tell you, I believe every every last utterance. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got to do our next commercial break here. Oh. We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West after these messages. Our guest is Hatmaker to the Stars, Tom Hurt. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. Did you ever see the wind blow a rooster in a jug? Ain't nothing that'll make your innards more squeamy than the first-class pure old twisty wheel. This is the Voices of the West. Gotta watch out for those twisty winds. Welcome back to another edition of Amel Franzi's The Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest is Tom Hurt. He's in Colorado right now. He's a hat maker to the stars. 
And uh, there's a lot of twisty winds out there. Speaking of, speaking of twisty, man, we had some twisty winds last night. Yeah, it was nice. Ooh. We had a good rain here. Yeah, good, good uh, stuff. I, Tom, I've got. I, I like to throw things uh, from weird angles here. I understand that you enjoy chuck wagon cooking, and that you you took a fourth place in Ref Fredericksburg here a while back. What can you tell us about your chuck wagon experiences? That's a well, great, great I area. have a, I have a oh, I think it's probably about an eighteen ninety five vintage chuck wagon. I do not know the manufacturer of it, but uh, um, it's old and it's in great shape. And yes, I haul it around the country, cooking chuck wagon dinners for you know weddings or uh, graduations. Or divorces. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which 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 is your specialty, cobbler or biscuits? Um, uh, you know, I like. Uh, I think. I think. I think biscuits. And, I think biscuits. And what is the but, di- what, is, what is the discerning menu for the a divorce party? <laughs> Plenty of beer. Burnt food. <laughs> beer. 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 But, Lots uh, of beer. Uh, beer and well, obviously, <laughs> one one of the two parties gets a whole lot of unexpected jalapenos in their dish. <laughs> as opposed to the other one who doesn't. Uh, well, only one party generally shows up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the celebrant. That, that's good. That is good. Uh, yeah, no. But, and they have all their all their uh, uh, their 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 side is all there. The other yeah. side has gone off. You know, they've gone to McDonald's to celebrate. <laughs> back to I, well, I probably her because she's the only one that can afford it yeah, with the really, divorce settlement. Really, back back to, back to hat making. Oh. The various styles of uh, the creases and the brims and all of that. Any idea where the names of those particular styles came from? For example, the Gus cut. Oh, that's easy. Well, the Gus crease has been around a long time. Under different names. That was, you know, was called. But do you think that back in eighteen ninety or so, they actually called it the Gus crease? I don't know. They didn't. <laughs> Gus crease was because of. Augustus McGray, right? McGray on, on Lonesome Dove. Yeah, that's I, where he I, I know the re, I know that origin. You right. see that crease in all the old B westerns. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, all I that, understand. All, up until that time, it was like uh, the front dent. You know, that was as far as front dent. Uh, so the Montana the slope, or the Montana pinch, or, or Buck the, uh, the mule kick, the mule kick, um, yeah, and so on. There are there representative of of some part of culture mm-hmm. that those people wear hats. The, the thing that I've noticed is is that how years ago you could tell what yep. part of the country a person lived, a cowboy or whoever he was, lived by the style of their hat. And that many ranches, many ranches uh, the cowboys on that ranch would all wear the same creased hat yep. uh, to represent that you know, particular uh, uh, ranch. Mm-hmm. And in other words, a way of saying riding for the brand. Yeah, exactly. That's riding for the hat. <laughs> We're riding for the brand, and and that was like their their style, their their tradition, uh, or, or their look. Do you have a favorite? So, go ahead. Well, Tom, I wanted to ask you that, you know, it's funny. One of the people love the film Tombstone. I know the three of us do. You love it because you worked on it, but you also like the what came out the other end. But you know, I have to say, one of the reasons we love it, as people who understand the true West and the true history, is that you broke, you finally broke the 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 lifelong mold of Hollywood, putting good guys in white hats and bad guys in black hats because in that film the good guys are wearing black hats and the bad guys are wearing white hats well, and, and, and black and underwear because in truth if you were a cowboy out on the prairie out on the plains out in the desert working cattle 
you wanted a white hat to reflect the sun. If you lived in town and dressed in a suit every day, you were a you dandy a black and you, got, you wore a black hat because you were trying to be dressy. Um, Correct. But Hollywood never cared, and they, they did it the opposite. And I always felt like, you know, it, was, it would be great to see a film where that wasn't the case, and you did that so, so perfectly. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I, uh, you know, I was given some liberty there um, with, uh, with the hats to a degree. But, um, you know, Kevin Jar had a distinct picture of what he wanted to pick to have the, the movie to look like. And it was just, I was lucky enough that uh, I was on the same wavelength as he was, as far as the look goes. And, uh, and so he allotted me a lot of leeway in the styles that I, I created and then of course I never took it for granted that each actor wanted to uh, uh, look like the other one and we tried to make an individuality but yet the same look for the picture mm -hmm. I mean the cowboy hats all looked alike but mm -hmm. yet there was a distinct difference between each character each character had their own certain look and uh, uh, so uh I mean, it really was. It really was uh, great to be uh, part of that. I remember when Sam Elliott called me and told me he says, "Because uh, I had done several pictures with him before Tombstone," and he called and says, uh, "He's going to be doing a movie called Tombstone in Arizona, and would I be interested in doing the hats?" He says, "I gave your name to the proper people, and." Uh, so they will be calling you. And then I remember his, his words to me. He says, now, this is not my job. I'm just, I've am got a job acting here. So you, these guys are going to be calling you, he says, and I've given their name. He says, now, can you get this done for me? I mean, can you do this? This is a big job. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll get it done. I'll go and I'll do it. I'll get it done. He said, I, you know, he, he didn't want me to disappoint him because <laughs> he threw my name out there. Yeah. And... Uh, and I have to just, you know, every every time somebody talks to me about this subject, I always got to I always got to throw out my thanks to Sam Elliott because, yeah. uh, he, he, you know, he he had helped me out and gave, gave me so many jobs, and then, you know, you know, along with like Richard Farnsworth, he helped me out an awful lot too. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just, I mean, I, I got to know some people who who helped me get work and get known in that world and uh which i always like to thank them because uh, you know I, I really appreciate it you know i remember standing when they were doing tombstone in between the uh that scene where kurt russell dragged um i think it was uh brosh billy uh, uh brocious uh curly curly bow brocious uh powers booth yes and he dragged him out in the street, and and, uh, and they shot that scene. And after the scene was over, everybody kind of went off, and, and they 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 went in a group, and they're standing there in the group all talking. And I was standing on this boardwalk, and and Sam Elliott was on my left, and uh, Buck Taylor was on my right, and I was talking to them. We were just having a conversation, kind of like our conversation right now. And he says, um, I says, well, I guess maybe I ought to go over there and, and hobnob. And because, you know, I had learned that, you know, you're in this business, but you got to hobnob to get another job. I mean, you, <laughs> once you're off that job, you're, you're out of work yep. unless you've got something lined up. And I remember Buck Taylor looking at me. He says, you're going to do what? You're going to go over there and talk to them? <laughs> Who do you think you're standing next to? Like that. And I said, well, yeah, but I consider them them friends rather than, you know, somebody. But rather than somebody, knobs. 
Scott. Yeah. Well, Tom, I've got a question for you here. Well, hang on to that question because we're going to oh. do that break, that last break, last and then we're going to get get uh, get everything in that we possibly can get this is in. This a good question. It is, it is and it's a, a very question. good show as well. Yes. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Hi, I'm Wyatt McRae, grandson of Joel McRae, and you're listening to Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. Old Bowlegged Jones, he looks like he's got rubber bones. His hair's always shaggy, his whiskers grow like moss. His clothes are always baggy, he's a total loss. Mother Nature must have made his legs to fit a horse. Oh, Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. You can't go wrong with some Ray Whitley, I tell you. <laughs> and we got Bowlegged Tom. <laughs> Never go wrong with that. Tom Hurt is our guest. Bunker, you had a question for yeah, the man. Tom, you know, I, res- I respect your opinion on this particular question. Uh, that's because I know, being a hatter, you've spent a lot of time doing the history and all that. And one of the things that I always said is a, a, a myth, and I see it in so many people writing about Western wear and Western costume and stuff like that. And it's always, well, the cowboy's Chris come because he got bucked off when the horse stepped on his head, and he liked the way the hat looked after the <laughs> horse stepped on his head, so he just kept that crease. <laughs> and I don't believe that. I just, you know, I know 
probably some sometimes it would happen, but that is definitely not the birth of the crease, I think. <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> well, that's very insightful. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a what a diplomat! There, you, the, exactly. <laughs> what's your favorite? What, what's your favorite? What, what, what answer that? Oh, I, I thought he answered. Oh, oh. He's, he's thinking it over. Okay. Maybe he did answer. <laughs> what? What is your? I, what? Very insightful and yeah. probably true. Yeah. Okay. He says it's insightful and probably true. Oh, okay. <laughs> what hat do you wear, Tom? The one he owns. Well, of course he does. Which one? The, what, the, what, what style do you like? Gosh. That's harder to answer than my question. Uh, <laughs> I, wear, I wear a blend of a, of a Great Basin, uh, California style. Buckaroo. Uh, buckaroo, but with a little bit more of a... Uh, uh, it's not quite a flat hat, but almost a flat hat. Yeah. Uh, a little curl to the brim. But I, that's kind of style where I wear. I, I uh, just kind of just kind of gone to that style hat over the years. I've worn a, a lot of different styles, but this one is the one I've been wearing recently over the last oh, I don't know, eight or ten years, which is recently because I don't change my styles very much. Mm-hmm. You know, I wore the same style hat for years and years and years. I wore the same hat for years and years and years. And then I say, oh, my gosh, this is looking terrible. I better buy and build myself a new hat. <laughs> so what's your take on bowlers? Oh, I love bowlers. Uh, they're great. Uh, Would you uh, wear one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Well. I, would wear, I, would wear, I would wear a fedora. Yeah, or something like that, but uh, or uh, I'd wear an open road style like they used to wear years ago. I'd wear something like that, but a bowler? I don't think I'd go with a bowler. I love my bowler. Well, I got, I, wait, I got. Gene, do you have a question for Tom? Get you into this thing so you can get so you can get a residual. Um, what comes to mind for me is just a lot of the iconic Western stars who wore the same hat from film to film. Yeah. That they'd, they had that established and they were um, reluctant Ford, to get rid Jimmy of it. Stewart, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that uh, I was watching uh, uh, Yul Brenner the other day. He not only wore the same style hat, he wore the same black clothes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Never changed his underwear either. <laughs> Never did. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm just taken aback by the bowler, so Tom, uh, the whole bowler discussion so, here. <laughs> Tom, yes, sir. Do you ever come across a film? Because you know we laugh all the time how often the hats, you know, the guys all look Hollywood cowboys or they all look like right. Marlboro men in an 1880s setting. Do you ever? Is there a film that you particularly like that you didn't work on, but you do love the hats? Oh, hey. This is a true story. Not that every other story I told you wasn't true. We don't um, have nothing but the truth on this show. This is, I got a call from a customer. He says, I want a hat that was in a, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, um, Tim, Tim Holt Western. You remember Tim Holt? Oh, Tim yeah, Holt, yeah. yeah. Okay, it was in a Tim Holt Western. He says, um, now, this hat was in a scene where about six guys rode up to the sheriff's office. <laughs> and they're all sitting on the horse in front of the sheriff's office. And uh, and I want the hat that the guy on the right uh, <laughs> was wearing. And I says to him, and I listened to what he, he described the scene, you know. And I listened to him, I says, was that the guy riding the paint horse? And he says... Yes. And I said, oh, sure, I can do that hat for you. Uh, it's, been a, it's, it's been one of, the, one of the things I've had to suffer with in being in, in this business is that I've had to, I've been forced to watch, <laughs> I think, every Western that has been made or every, every, almost every Western that's been made. <laughs> and, um, uh, and it's just one of those things that I, that's the, uh, I guess, one of the 
bad things about the business of that. I've been forced to do that. Yes. Tom but Jerome. no, that was that was that that's what a movie. I love those old B Western hats yeah, because betcha. they were really cool. Yeah. A lot of times it was their I hat. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're out of time. And, oh, we're out of time. I'm sorry. Let's uh, roll. Let's roll. Oh, my no, gosh. No, we, started. I know. Uh, Tom, we'll have you back. Yeah. We'll just have to oh, do that. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And uh, that's it for this edition of the program. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker DeFrance is here. Yep. I'm Harry Alexander. Gene Freeze is here as well. And that's it for this edition. 78. 79. 79 and three quarters. <laughs> 79 and nine tenths. Amigo, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.